in Romans chapter 10, Paul quotes out of Isaiah 52 and 7. In Romans 10, 15, uh, he says, And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. So he's talking about being sent to preach. You know, you're going out in the service of the Lord to reach other people. You know, the ministry that God's called you to, if you will. He quotes from Isaiah 52, 7. And if you look at Isaiah 52, 7, it has a little bit more detail. It says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publishes salvation. It says, How beautiful on the mountains. Um, and I just want to encourage you, you know, sometimes we feel like we have a call of God on our life, and we do if we're in Christ Jesus. He doesn't call us just to, you know, sit on our hands. But sometimes it seems so like we're so barren, you know what I mean? Uh, but if you look at that, he says, how beautiful on the, on the mountains are the feet of them that bring good news, that, you know, publish salvation. And so the mountain is not where the people live at. Uh, the people live down in the valleys, etc. The mountains are, are hard to live on. They're hard to travel on. Uh, but sometimes that's the route people take, the quickest route, or you have to go over mountains to get somewhere. And when you apply that to uh, travel, the mountains are a barren place. The mountains are a lonely place. The mountains are a hard place where many people die because they don't endure all the trials that the mountain presents. The mountains are, I'm a truck driver, and sometimes uh, if you're going over a big mountain, uh, you can't get your bearings as to how close you are to coming over the top of that mountain to know, you know, hey, how much longer is this going to last? So what I'm saying is how beautiful on the mountain are the feet of them that bring good news. So we're going somewhere. Uh, we're sent out in the work of the Lord to accomplish a task, but we're not there yet. Uh, and a lot of time we're on the mountains, you know, we're, we're, we're in hard, lonely travel. But if we can get that perspective of the scripture where it says how beautiful, <laughs> it's beautiful, not because the mountain is beautiful, you know, in, in regard to travel, because the mountain's hard and dangerous. But because somebody needs what you're bringing. Because it's taking you somewhere. You know, and so as we're waiting on our calling to be fulfilled. We have to sometimes we look around and it's like, man, nobody cares, man. Nobody cares about what I'm called to do. You know, the call of God on my life. It just looks like nobody's even here. Nobody's walking with me, you know. I, I sit up here and it's like all I see around me, figuratively speaking, are rocks and trees. <laughs> you know, <laughs> lifelessness around me as I journey. It doesn't look like I'm making any difference. 
You know, I, I, I can't see over the mountain. Uh, all I see is trees, you know. All I see is rocks. All I see is a hard path ahead of me. But God never calls us for vanity. Uh, you know, the time of preparation is sometimes hard and lonely, uh, if not always hard and lonely. But it says how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of them that bring good news. And that is in regard to ministry. So the mountain, yeah, you're not in the place of ministry where you aspire to be, where you feel the call of God leading you to. Because he says, how can they preach unless they're sent? And then, it, you know, how beautiful are the feet of those that bring good tidings. And so he's saying, yeah, you're sent by God out to do this thing. But it's beautiful before it even gets there, you know. And it's hard to appreciate the process. It's hard because sometimes we don't have that bird's eye view, if you will, where you can see you're on a trail. This is where the mountain tops. And when you get to this mountaintop, you're going to be able to see and your vantage point is going to be great. And you'll be able to see, hey, this is where I'm going. This is how much further I got to go, because when you're going up the mountain, it's, it's trudgery, man. You're trudging and you, you can't see anything. It's just hard. You're like, I don't know what's going on. I'm just going. I'm just putting one foot in front of the other because I know this has to lead somewhere because God's not telling me to do this for nothing. You know, God is leading us somewhere. And that, that's what happened. That's where a lot of the children of Israel went wrong is they get out in the wilderness after God did a miraculous, great deliverance. Brought them out of Egypt with these great signs. And they get out in the wilderness and they're like, God just brought us out here to kill us. No, God said, I'm taking you somewhere. I'm taking you to the promised land. He said I, that was from the beginning. He said he was going to take them to a land flowing with milk and honey. But because they lost perspective of the end, the outcome where God was leading them. They got focused on the mountain, if you will, the wilderness, the trial. But the whole time God was developing them or trying to uh, to teach them. I think it's Deuteronomy 8 where he says, you know, to teach them, to humble them and to teach them that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So. The mountain is hard. The mountain is lonely but that is not our destination and we cannot lose sight of that that this sucks it's it's hard it's painful nobody's here to if i if i get hurt on the mountain i can't just go right next door and say hey man i'm hurt i need some help it feels like i'm hurt and nobody cares There's predators, mountain lions and stuff. But we're going somewhere. And, and the Bible says how beautiful, not are the feet of those who publish good tidings, you know, when they get there. But it says the feet, you know, it's talking about the, it specifically says the feet. And that's probably what Paul has in mind in the book of Ephesians whenever he's talking about the, the, the armor of God. And he says, having your feet 
you know, shod with the gospel of peace. You know, you're 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 ready to go. You're ready to do it. You got to understand this is your, the process. The feet are for the walking. And that's what he's saying that on the mountain during the process, during the hard, lonely, looks like it's barren. Don't know how long this is going to last. But he says it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And it comes down to trusting God. To not look at what's around us and say, man, this is it. I'm done for. Because sometimes it feels like that, brothers and sisters. Man, big time. Like if God was going to do anything, he would have done it already. Uh, this, that's a wrap. But then he still comes through in a way that blows our mind. It's like, hey, man. Not only was that beyond my ability to fix, but it was beyond my comprehension as to how he would fix it. And that's what he says about the the uh, manna that fell from from heaven. Uh, and I, I think, again, that comes from Deuteronomy 8, uh, where he says uh, he caused the, the bread, the manna to fall from heaven, a way which your fathers knew not, something that your fathers didn't even hear of. You know, this is not precedented, you know. And, and we, we look around and we say, well, Look how barren people's ministries are. Man, I'm doing all this work, man. Where is it going to wind up at? Look how these churches are failing. Look how these people are failing. And it's just a dead end, man. And it seems like the churches are turning more carnal. And, you know, what's the outcome of this? But God is doing things that are, that are not precedented, that our fathers are not going to say, hey, this is the way that God's always done it. You know, and I'm not saying a new standard, but I'm saying that this is not church as usual, if you will. You get what I'm saying? God, don't let's don't confine God to a box of, hey, it, what God's doing in my life is going to be exactly like what happened. No. We have to maintain our integrity because truth be told, a lot of these ministers are not dead. On the altar. Offering their body as a living sacrifice. People are out for selfish gain a lot of time. Or they've got mixed up in the weeds somewhere. And, you know, their egos involved, etc. And, and a lot of times they're not open to the truth. We have to be completely dead to ourselves. When it comes to God's will, hey, I'm nothing, man. I'm following Jesus. Jesus took the cross. He was innocent. And he didn't have any pretense of self-determination. You know, hey, uh, I don't want to go to the cross, so I'm doing my own thing. He said, not my will, but your will. He was numbered with the transgressors. He didn't, he made himself of no reputation. You know, this is our example. So when we're going through, we take our cross and follow Jesus. This is, hey, it's not about what I want to do. It's about what God wants me to do. And I don't have any right to kick back against God and say, hey, I'm better than this. I, I deserve better than this. Because we don't. But God is merciful. And he has our best interests in mind. But the harvest is plenty and the laborers are few. And we need to be willing to work 
in his vineyard. Don't faint, brothers and sisters. Fix your eyes on Jesus. A brother sent me a... Uh, he just sent Isaiah 49 in a text message. And I just went into it. And I like it because in there, it's talking about how, you know, I, I thought, you know, my labor's in vain. You know, I, I've done... My work is in vain. You know, I've spent my strength in vain. And he says, but surely my judgment is with God and my work is with my God. You know, he says, man, it looked like it was vanity, like I like I was spinning my wheels. But then when you see how God takes over, whenever it looked like this was over, this is I did it for nothing. This is all for nothing. But but then having that hope in God, like, but but it's it's God's work. I'm going to let him determine this outcome, even though it looks like I've done this for nothing. And then you see how God took over. And made what looked barren fruitful. But we're not going to get there if we pitch a tent on the mountain or if we go back down the mountain. You know, if we try to stay on the mountain, if you will, if we give up, that's what it doesn't matter if we don't get to the end. You know, if Jesus just carried his cross and, and outside the city, you know, before he got to Calvary, he said, OK, you know, I did it. No, he, he died to his own desires and did the will of the father all the way to his death. brothers and sisters. Paul said, this present suffering is not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us in Romans chapter 8. If we can view eternity and keep eternity as our perspective, and Paul specifically talks about that, that is the walk of faith. Read 2 Corinthians five and, or, or 4 and 5. Read it, 2 Corinthians 4 all the way and read into chapter 5. And he's talking about walking by faith and not by sight. It is keeping eternity in perspective. For the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross. He was looking beyond the cross. And we have to look beyond the mountain. Because if our focus is on the mountain and saying, man, this is the end. Hey, this is my, this is, this is where, this is my destiny right here. It can be depressing. But we have to look beyond that. Say, man, I'm going somewhere. You know? Yeah, it hurts. Yeah, I'm getting persecuted. Yeah, I'm alone. Yeah, it looks barren. But it's beautiful because God's taking me somewhere. And I don't know what God is doing all the time. But I know he's called me. And I know I'm walking in integrity before God. And I found this to be true, brothers and sisters. As long as we maintain our integrity. As long as we don't turn away from things that we know God is telling us. As long as we don't willfully sin. As long as we don't throw in the towel. 
It may be, man, it's hard. Why do you think Jesus said, blessed are those that weep now? Blessed are you when all men will hate you. He said, you got to deny yourself. Take up your cross. If you love your life, you'll lose it. If you hate your life in this world, you'll keep it for eternal life. This is the season where God is about to do. This world is not going out like this. Before Christ returns, there is going to be a revival. It may not be accepted in the churches. You know, the more I study history, the more I see whenever God was doing something, it was always rejected by the established I would say most of the time, you know, there are some exceptions, but biblically speaking, especially, but uh, always rejected by the established social religion of that day. As far as like, this is the in crowd. These are the guys who are the super preachers, super ministers of our day. It was always rejected by them. John Wesley wouldn't even, they, they wouldn't even let him preach in the church. He was preaching in fields. And then he got a church after that, a building to get the people out of the weather. Jesus, they they threw him out of his his own uh, hometown. Don't be discouraged by the mountain. Hang in there, catch your breath. Trust God. Trust God. Because God knows. Not a hair of your hair to perish. He knows when a sparrow falls to the ground. And you're of much more worth than many sparrows. He knows what you're going through. Okay. This is a process. This is a process. This is a process. Don't look at right now. Just keep pressing on. And I tell you what, when we stand before the Lord on that judgment day and hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, there is not a single moment of agony that you have endured waiting on God, serving God, walking on the mountain that you are going to say, man, I did, it, it cost me too much. He'll be like, man, if I would have only realized the magnitude of eternity. You know, the Bible talks about Jacob, how he labored Seven years for Rachel. And it says, but they seemed to him as but a few days for the love he had for her. (laughs) He was so focused on the goal (laughs) that it made his, his weight and his labor seem insignificant. Just a few days, you know, seven years, but it seemed like a few days because he realize the prize at the end. 
You know, if somebody tells you, hey, go do some work, go work hard all day long, but I ain't going to pay you nothing. You ain't getting nothing at the end of the day. It's going to suck, you know, and you're going to go out and you're going to work and you're just going to be like, man, this sucks, man. Everything's going to seem aggravating and just like, man, this is for nothing. But if somebody tells you go out and work today and at the end of the day, I'm going to give you some eternal reward, exceeding great reward at the end of the day. Man, it don't matter what happens that day. It's going to seem small like this is all, you know, like I don't care. It's, it, it is hard. It's a hard day's labor. But man, compared to what I'm getting. It's nothing. And so the perspective of the award, the reward, the outcome, the perspective of the outcome will determine our attitude and our our ability to to just take things in stride and keep on going. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5 or 2 Corinthians 4, he says, these sufferings are are light and from our momentary afflictions that are light and but for a moment. (laughs) It's a misquote, but read 2 Corinthians 4 and 5. He says they're light and for a moment. And he went through a lot. Read about what Paul went through. And then he says it's light and but for a moment. So get your mind off the mountain. What you're in right now is beautiful. And God is not ignorant of your situation. You're going somewhere. You're going somewhere.